Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, thank you, Sam. It's my privilege to uh, be a part of it. We're, we're almost family because um, my son is married to Kristen's sister. So it's, it's kind of uh, all, all in the mix there. Yeah, you can, you can check all about that later. Hey, God is in the house, friends. I don't know about you. Is it like this every week at Northside? I've got to move to Sydney. This is amazing. So uh, my privilege to be a part of it. I just love the worship team. Thanks, guys, for ministering to us. And um, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Lord, pour your spirit out, indeed. Um, this morning, I want to talk to you about something that I think is close on your hearts. From what I understand about Northside, you're a, you're a church that gathers because you've got a passionate love for Jesus, or you're exploring out what does it mean that Jesus passionately loves me and how can I experience him. Either way, there's a sense that you know, there's a treasure here. Jesus is the treasure. But the other thing I know about Northside is that you, you, you've got connections with people who, who don't currently experience that same sense of adventure and wonder. And that burdens you. You have a sense of how, how, how can I help my friends and my family? Those people that, I, that, that are on my heart, how can I help them encounter what I've experienced in Jesus? And so that's what I want to address this morning. It's going to be brief, but it's kind of like a, a prolonged invitation, if you like, for you to engage in some training that the church is embarking upon simply called My Friends. I love the title, My Friends, because that's what it's about. It's not equipping you to reach the lost. It's not equipping you to change the world. Because where does that start if it doesn't start with My Friends? My Friends. So come with me on this journey together, and we're going to dig in here. Um, how are people connected with God? You know, often we have this idea that here we are as Northside Church and, uh, and then there's this kind of people that come are involved in Northside Church and then there's people who kind of live further away. There's the, the lost who are on the fringe and then there's the lost who are kind of, who don't know Jesus, who are just far away, disconnected from Northside Church. And we kind of project this uh, kind of a mental map. On our, on our mind as we plan. And when we plan as a church, we're thinking, how do we reach people? But look at that picture, um, the previous picture where it talks about the, the geographic. It's often a map as if we're in the centre and people are further away from the reach of God, the further away they are geographically from this suburb. Wow, gosh, that's kind of a concept from the dinosaur age where I grew up. Really, in the post-post-modern world of tribalism, which is... What we live in, in modern, complex, urban life like Sydney, people live in bubbles. The reality is not proximity to a geographic place of Northside, but people do life in a social bubble of, and many social bubbles. There's my gym buddies. There's my work colleagues, and then there's my, uh, you know, my um, frisbee, um, super frisbee team that I'm with, and then there's my old schoolmates, and then there's some guys that I, I jam music, and 
people do life in these social circles. There's a few of my old high school friends that I stay in touch with, and then there's the, the rest I can't, I don't even know where they are, I don't really care, you know. Good luck to them. In other words, we, we have social bubbles. Now, in those social bubbles, we, they're the people that matter to us. They're the people that are having conversations. And they're not geographically proximate. They're socially proximate. They're relationally proximate. And so in this kind of world, we can actually be closer to someone that lives on the other side of the city than we are with someone who lives on the other side of our side fence. Isn't that true? And if you thought, oh, if there was some serious news I wanted to share with someone that had significant consequences on their life, you would perhaps share it first in those social bubbles because they're the people that are relationally closest to you and whom you care most deeply about. They're people on your heart. You're having conversations with them. You do life with those people. Now, here's the challenge. If this is our social reality, that people do life in social bubbles, then the good news is they're not further away. They might be further away from where the church is, but they're not necessarily further away from someone that knows Jesus because we as believers also do life in those same social bubbles. Correct? So in a lot of these social bubbles, there's already believers there. Now, question. If as a church at Northside, we're thinking, right, how do we, with our two campuses, uh, mobilise so we can reach other people for Jesus? What does this reality require of our missional approach? Think about this for a minute. Let's just hold that slide there for a minute and think about this. What different mission approach does this social reality require of us? I say of us, not them, because, you know, it's not about what they do, it's about what we do. I don't know what you're thinking in terms of your response, but, you know, it's very clear that asking someone out there to come across town to this location and be in this room as their first point of entry to find out about Jesus makes no mission sense at all, does it? People, that, this is the least likely place people are going to be. Where are they most likely to have that conversation that's going to start? Well, over coffee after they've just played racquetball. Or, or as they're, they're sitting there watching the kids play on the playground. You know how the dads do it? Yep, we've got this under control. The kids are at the top of the climbing frame. I was like, yeah. That's where the conversation's going to happen, you see, because that's where life is happening. That's real life. As much as we love coming here, right, it, it's, it's, not, it's part of our life, but this is not how life works. This is a, an important gathering that's fairly structured, it serves an important part in our growth in Jesus, in our communities we connect. But, but where does life happen? It doesn't happen in this hour, it happens out there. How do we discover God with our friends out there in those social bubbles? There's a, a verse in Acts that talks about, as, as Peter's giving his uh, um, explanation of all that's going on, and uh, in Acts 2, 38, 39, he says this, all the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. The promise 
is for, listen to this, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. It's interesting. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. It's kind of like, well, me and my children, they're not far off. They're right there, right? I do life with them. Could be those people in that social bubble that I do life with, my friends. And all who are far off. How do we reach all who are far off? Because people whose lives are touched with Jesus reach their friends. That's how we reach all who are far off. And so this big truth, what Peter's talking about here is come out of the reality where something happened in the experience of these people. So often we read the, the, the New Testament and all of the Bible and we, we read it kind of as a... We read it as a, as a book. Well, it is a book. But it's, it's, it's captured people's real experiences. So what we read about, they lived. Okay? It was firstly an experience before it became words on a page that we read about. Let me say that again. It, it was firstly an experience before it became words on a page that we read about as, as history. As a record. Now, God's word speaks to us through that. We can experience God through his word. I totally know that as, as true in my own experience. But when we start to talk to other people about Jesus, often we think it starts with words and it starts with concepts, explanations. But that's not how it started here. Here it started typically with... Uh, an intersection in someone's life where they experienced something that, here's a phrase I'm going to repeat often, they experienced something where suddenly in their lives the unthinkable became thinkable. Let me say it again. The unthinkable became thinkable. So for these people in the book of Acts, the, it was unthinkable that Jesus was anything but a deluded carpenter from Nazareth, right? A troublemaker. That he was the Messiah. You've got to be kidding that's unthinkable. That actually God was working in him. Unthinkable. That actually it was the work of the Spirit of God through him that was bringing about release of the captives and, and restoring hope and healing. It was unthinkable. And in order for anyone to open their heart to even think about that, typically there was an experience that shook them. And suddenly... The unthinkable became thinkable. It's like, oh my goodness, what if? No, 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 it can't be, but, but what if? No, you're kidding me. That's just too, too unthinkable. Wow, I'm thinking about it. I am thinking about it. I've got, what, have I, what have I got to lose? So the blind man on the side of the road, born blind. Everyone says, don't even think about it. What are you, stupid? Get out of the way. And he hears Jesus. But what if? What if? I've heard stories. Someone else was healed from blindness. What if? And hope rises. The unthinkable becomes thinkable. So there's this pattern here that we see. It's a common pattern that we read. And it's a very, very simple summary of a lot of complex you know, stories. I'm not kind of trying to dumb it down. I'm just trying to help us to see the obvious that we don't see. That then uh, has an a echo in our own experience. 
in the Gospels, think about this. They didn't read about it. Let me, let me read you one passage in the Gospels. Let's just take one. Let's go Mark chapter 1. If you want to want a brief, brief summary, jump into Mark because he says everything very shortly. I know you're thinking, I wish more preachers used Mark's approach then. To... So... <laughs> okay, Mark chapter 1. Um, it says, after this is verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee. So this is some time later because John the Baptist had already been ministering and now John's been put in prison. So this is you know, 12 months into Jesus' ministry or more, a year and a half perhaps. And Jesus comes in and he's preaching. And as he walks beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Little edit. Uh, this is not the first time Jesus met these guys. He's known them. They were involved from John the Baptist days. So Jesus is going to where they work, right? He's showing up at their workplace and he's going to people who are already following him and he's challenging them. Maybe he's challenging you the same thing today. And he's saying, come and follow me and I'll make you to be fishers of men. I'll, I'll teach you to do what you've watched me do. And they at once left their nets and followed him. They'd gone a little further and he saw James and John. These were also already followers of Jesus, but now he's challenging them. Hey, you want to learn how to reach people? You want to be a part of the team that is reaching out to others? Would you like to know how to reach your friends and your family and your neighbours? Well, follow me and I want to teach you how to do that. And without delay, they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat. I'd like, we need to interview Zebedee one day and find out how did he feel about that. But anyway, they left dad in the boat with the hired men and all the work and they followed after Jesus. They said, we're in. We're going to go to this training. And then they went to, the, to Capernaum, which is the little town that they lived in. And later in that week, Sabbath came. And they went to the synagogue, which they did every week. And Jesus began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching because it just rang true. It had authority. It was like, this is not a bunch of words. This is, this is real. And then there was a demon that manifested in a man who was just bound up in, in demonic oppression. And Jesus commanded the, demon to be real, the man to be released out of the demon's grip. Come out of him, he said, and the man was set free. Verse 27, the people were all amazed. They asked each other, what is this? What kind of teaching is this? Authority even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. Note, next verse, 28. And the news about him spread quickly all over the whole region of Galilee. How did the news spread? <laughs> yeah. The equivalent, first century equivalent of Twitter. Word of mouth. Uncontrolled space. The synagogue wasn't saying, man, we should, we should promote this. Let's print up some flyers and we'll drop all those marble tablets all over the place. And <laughs> this was word of mouth. It went like that. People experienced something, right? They saw a life changed and they all thought, I know someone who this could speak to. And the word went for people for whom that was relevant. And then the next thing goes, they're in, in Peter's house. His mother-in-law is sick. And, um, and Jesus steps into that need. And experiencing a touch of Jesus, she's healed. And she gets up and serves them. 
And then as soon as it's sunset, in other words, it's a Sabbath, as soon as they're able, the neighbours are all bringing their sick and their demon-possessed. Think about this. Somebody experienced the encounter with Jesus in their need and they, 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 it triggered hope. It was like, wow, I never thought that could happen and it happened to me. They went and told their friends. When I had that need, Jesus touched my life and it made a difference. Would you like to know how you can experience that? Well, nothing to lose. And so other people came. Now, when those people bought their sick friends, were their sick friends in faith and belief? I doubt it. But they were open. What have I got to lose? But when they encountered a touch of Jesus, the unthinkable became thinkable. It was like, who is this? Could this actually be? The Messiah. The unthinkable became thinkable. Now, leaving our passage here, we know, did everybody then say, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus? No. Some people really took offence. Opposition grew. Some people, when they encountered experience of Jesus, they went firmly against the whole thing. Others said, I need to know more. Now, let me land this. We're going to share, I want to share you this little practical concept. And it's how do you see your world through Jesus' eyes as someone who's been sent? And it's a simple concept called a daisy. And we're going to get you to, to do your daisy here, okay? Doesn't mean lose the plot, but um, <laughs> here, here's the thing that will bring it into focus. If you just draw a little daisy diagram or take a photo of it with your phone, then... Um, this is a way of mapping your social bubble. Your name's in the middle. And each of those petals represents one of those social bubbles, one of those places where you do life with people. Work, gym, family, maybe neighbours, if you've got a, one of these kind of neighbourhood you know, uh, things that are happening in your area. Or maybe it's, it's a, an affinity group, a group you share interest with, you know, the, the um, like recyclers. When you get to my age, that's a sad group, I've got to say. It's like, <laughs> it's an incentive to be in the front of the pack rather than the back. It's like, it's, it improves the times, I'm sure. But, and, and each of those circles, then you just ask the Lord, Lord, who are the people that you see in my um, world that I, you want me to focus on? You don't put everybody. You just put those that the Lord lays on your heart. And then you pray again, Lord, who are those people that you may be working in? And you highlight those people. And then you start to join him in his work. And what are you doing to join him in his work? Well, you're going to pray for them. You're going to love them. You're going to share care. You want him to be the, the tangible expression of Jesus in their world, right? And you're looking for those opportunities when their need or interest overlaps with something of your experience where you've experienced Jesus at work in your life. It's like, oh, how are you going? Oh, the kids, I feel like I'm just about losing my job as a parent here. I'm, I can't do it. They're not sleeping. I'm desperate. Well, there's no quick answer to that, is there? If you want kids, you're going to go through it. But it can be, you know, when I was at wit's end, the only thing that got me through, I would just pray and say, Lord, you've got to help me. Give me strength. And you know what? He did. 
Now, that's about a 20-second testimony. And if it's at that point of time, then the other person is thinking like, oh, here he goes again. You say, can I pray for you? Would you like to, me to ask Jesus to help you in that place? What have they got to lose? Now, here's the opportunity. As they say, sure. But you don't go all religious, you know, Lord, we pray! <laughs> like as if God is bigger because we get, you know, animated. It's like 15-second prayer is all you need. Time the prayers of Jesus when he worked in people's lives. There were big, long prayers. He said, be healed. See. Come here. Bring the children to me. So 15-second prayer. Lord, I pray for my friend. I pray for, for Mary or Jake or whoever it is. I know you love them. I know you've helped me here. And I ask that you would help them. Let them know you love them. Amen. And then you have the boldness to say, I'm going to ask you tomorrow how it went. Now, they don't expect anything, right? They don't expect anything. But if it will work, please help. So they're open for it. But here's the thing I've experienced. Now, this is what you experience out there more than in church, right? Because you think uh, the Bible calls these signs when people experience the touch of God. A sign is not the point. A sign points to something that's the point. And what a sign points to is, hello, God is real. He cares about you. He's here. He's available. That's what the sign points to. And so when you pray those kinds of prayers for people who don't know Jesus in that mission space, out there in those social bubbles, far more often than ever anywhere else in church, Jesus shows up quietly, completely, and he shows up in a way they know there's this touch. And that's when the unthinkable becomes thinkable. So how do we land this? When the unthinkable becomes thinkable, then they have a choice. They have to do something about it. Do they connect it with Jesus? Or do they just say, coincidence? Well, then you keep going around again. Next time there's an opportunity. Next time there's an opportunity. Eventually someone connects it. You know, there's something in this. And then you're able to say, would you like... Next slide. Then you're able to say, would you like to know how you can know Jesus as your friend? Now, the My Friends training, which is coming up, I told you this is like an extended ad because I'm, I'm done here. The My Friends training that's coming up takes that simple principle and it helps you to apply it in a lifestyle and the social bubbles out there. And it's as you love, pray and care for people, as you share the difference Jesus is making, invite them to experience a touch of Jesus and maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but you keep going, keep going until eventually there is that intersection in their sense of need. Then would you like to know how you can know God personally? And then you invite them, as we'll teach you to, invite them to go through the, some of the stories of Jesus in a simple, simple format where they can discover him from themselves. Not because it's a book, not because it's a record of someone else's experience, and it is, but because they experience, you know what? The unthinkable has now not just become thinkable, now it's my experience. Jesus is real. He is here and he loves me and he makes a difference in my everyday experience. Father, we pray that you would motivate us as your people to be just so bold as to step out and have the fun of the adventure 
of living a lifestyle on mission like you modelled for us. That out in the workplaces, in the homes, in the neighbourhoods, in the social bubbles, you will be revealed as real, living, present. And that people don't have to journey across town to a building to meet with you. They can meet you right where they are through the people they already know. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.